All right. Welcome to Stand and Deliver, the Citizens for Free Speech podcast. Once again, we appreciate you being with us. As you, If you've been here for a long time, visiting us every Friday when a new episode drops or whenever it is that you watch and listen to your podcast, thank you so much for being a part of it. I am Bob France, the National Communications Director of CFFS, and normally I am alongside Patrick Wood, our Executive Director, but today we have a special treat as we welcome the Deputy Director of Citizens for Free Speech, Kimberly Miller, to uh, give us a little bit of a year-end recap and maybe a year-ahead preview of what's coming on CFFS. Kimberly, first things first, that's a beautiful Christmas tree. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I wanted to have a festive backdrop for our conversation and and my son helped me pick up pick out my wardrobe as well. So um, I've got my <laughs> ugly sweater on and everything. So we're we're in the spirit for Christmas here, and um, love it. Excited to celebrate. Let me ask you. And this is is it? Have you always lived in the warm climates of Arizona or places like that? Um, well, I'm originally from Colorado, but I've lived here since um, I was ten. So I consider myself a Arizona native. See, being a Midwesterner, you know, from Cleveland, we've always had snow winters and, you know, Christmas, like with the sleigh and the whole nine yards. Um, Whenever I meet people from climates like yours, and I have some of my best friends from college were from Florida, the first time they ever felt snow was when they came to college up in Ohio, uh, where I'm Mm -hmm. from. And I always wonder, like, does it feel any different? And, and, And if you've only grown up in the same thing, you don't know. But I'm wondering if it feels any different to be a kid growing up in a hot climate uh, and putting up a Christmas tree and seeing all of the images on TV of snow, but you don't have it there. Is it hard? Is it changed the Christmas spirit at all? I don't think so. I mean, I've lived here for a number of years, obviously. And so you start to get a sense of the seasons. I mean, we all have our, you know, season way, even dramatic as other areas of the country, but you, you've, have a change and it starts to feel festive. Um, and on rare occasions we've had snow on the mountains around the Valley. And, um, so, you know, you can still get into the spirit. It gets, it's cold by by our standards. (laughs) (laughs) By our standards. Right. Good enough. Good enough. All right. So I know Santa sleigh works on snow and it also works on sand of the deserts and all (laughs) wherever else it has to. So, all right. So Kimberly, before we get into like some of the specifics of, you know, CFFS in 2022 and look ahead, as I mentioned a moment ago, let's talk about you. Uh, how long have you been with our company or I mean our organization? We're not a company. We're a 501c3 uh, nonprofit organization. But but how long have you been and what are your primary responsibilities with CFFS as deputy director? Sure. Well, I'll be going on two years being with Citizens for Free Speech. I officially joined the team in um, around April of 2021, but started doing some work um, early on in um, 2021. And my responsibilities really are to help Patrick and um, our entire team move along our mission. And so I'm working often behind the scenes, getting programs developed, um, training scheduled, and uh, information out the door, you know, and whatever that looks like, whether it's emails or, um, and then our materials that we have, um, that we've produced, we get that out. Um, So just trying to help on the organizational level. And then of course, um, more on the big mission, which is helping to protect free speech in our country. So that was of course the main motivator for me joining CFFS was protecting free speech as the foundation to everything we do. You know, your, um, your story is a great one, I think. And it's, a, you know, great for our listeners and our podcast viewers to, 
to kind of hear because like for me, I, I have a regular, you know, daytime thing. I'm a radio show host and I do this and I help this whenever I can. Um, you left a career uh, mm-hmm. that you were in a full-time job to take this on full-time, which is a heck of a lot more of a devotion um, than, than a lot of people. I mean, CFFS, as you know, is made up of volunteers as a nonprofit organization. We have a ton of people who volunteer. We've got board members, advisory board members who volunteer their time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people just help when they can, because it, you know, I'm very passionate and very sincere about free speech and about the first amendment too, but you literally, uh, made this the, the main focus of your life, at least the career portion of your life. I'm sure your son and your family come first, but mm-hmm. tell us, tell us about that. How hard was it to leave a career? You were self-sustaining, you were, you were doing well. And then you said, I really want to do this full time. Right. Well, you know, I, I'm sure there's a, a parable somewhere mm-hmm. along the way that I could reference, but it's not coming to mind now, but when you see something that's wrong and you can't unsee it, And for me, that was my motivating factor was I can't live my life pretending that everything is fine when it's not. And if I have the opportunity to um, leave a career and and refocus my energy in in something that's going to help our country, then that to me was um, more of a motivation than um, a big salary or benefits or, um, you know, cushy job. And um, yeah, it was, it was difficult, but at the same time, it wasn't difficult in knowing that this was the right thing to do and it's what needs to be done moment. And so I was willing to, um, make that leap and, uh, by the grace of God, things have worked out so far and, um, we've had a lot of generous donors and, um, you know, supporters that make this possible. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul, as long as, um, people see a need for it. And I'm, I'm happy to, to take on this work. Well, you know, um, it's awesome. I, I, I love that you felt that way and that you wanted to do something, um, that you believe in and, 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 and to, like you say, kind of put your, uh, passion ahead of desire for salaries and, and other benefits and those kinds of things. This is not a cushy job. It's a hard job. And uh, what you do is extraordinarily important to the point you just made. I want to remind everybody who listens to CFFS on, on our, our podcast, or uh, if you check it out live or, or excuse me, if you uh, check it out on our website or uh, anything else, we are member supported. As Kimberly just said, we need donors and we need people who want to say, what they're doing is very worthwhile. And as a matter of fact, it's not just worthwhile. It, we're not, we're not the cherry on a Sunday. Uh, we're, we, we are, we are necessary citizens for free speech organizations like ours, people like our founder, Patrick Wood, who, who started this in 2018, didn't see, yeah, I think I'll do this and just kind of, you know, a little, you know, a little side gig and, and kind of tell people how important free speech is. He knew there was a need to build an organization that would, you know, mm-hmm. coordinate with people at a local level, at all of the local levels that make up our national level, essentially. And um, so we're necessary. We've become a big, big part of protecting against the ongoing attack on free speech. So if you are a believer in that, uh, I would like everybody right now to understand we need your support. You can donate by going to the website, citizensforfreespeech.org. We have a lot of people that make one-time donations of whatever they can afford. We have a lot of people who uh, make a smaller donation, but on a recurring basis, you can set it up to be a, like an auto withdrawal type of thing on your on your bank account. Um, and we have some people who are of means who can make much larger donations that keep us running and allow us to continue to fight the fight and the things that we do. So I want to encourage people 
if you are uh, looking for a place to put your year-end charitable dollars, you know, that are tax deductible. Uh, so come April, it's a little easier on yourself and you want to find the right place to put your, your 501c3 type of dollars. Uh, just know that Citizens for Free Speech is, is so grateful for your assistance. Um, mm -hmm. So, Kimberly, I want to go back <clears throat> after the, the pitch there. I want to go back and, and talk a little bit about what some of your most important responsibilities are. You listed a number of things. Among other things, you help coordinate the training that Mary Baker makes possible, um, you know, with the, with the Citizen Ninja training. I know you've really taken that and made it a, a big, big part of what you do. Can you tell people a little bit more about training? And moreover, anybody who's never thought about it, why they would benefit from citizen ninja training and learning what we do and how they can put it to practical use in their own communities. Right, absolutely. Well, this year our big goal was to get uh, citizen ninja training available on demand through our local activist platform. And so Mary did a great job of um, re recording her videos and um, getting those prepped for the local, uh, local activist platform, which is a, a training platform as well. So that was a big focus and, and we were able to accomplish that this year. And um, our hope in next year is to go back doing some virtual and even some in-person Citizen Ninja training. And why somebody would need Citizen Ninja training is really, it, it helps to get you in the mindset of an activist. So it's not a training that's going to give you all the details, ins and outs of um, tactical measures, such as you know how to help draft a bill or you know, make a statement to a um, city council, for example. But what it is, it's going to help you recognize how you can be a, an effective and strategic uh, activist um, with things that you might not have ever thought about before. So first of all, understanding what are your um, what are your duties as an activist? So that comes with civic knowledge, for example, knowing how to compose yourself and restrain yourself um, and then be self-reliant. So those are um, some of the basics that you'll learn in Citizen Ninja training. And then after that, you start learning how you can compose, um, dial somebody, you know, ident identifying who you're talking to, who your audience is, so you know how to tailor your message so that it's um, gonna meet people where they are, because we know that there's, um, people come from a lot of different perspectives from being informed or misinformed. Um, maybe they're very partisan or maybe they're very open to what you have to say. And so once you have a chance to, um, or once you understand that that's your first step is understanding who you're talking to, then you could create a message that's going to um, match where they're at. And so those are some of the things that you'll learn in Citizen Ninja training, along with how to identify tactics that are being used against you and then what the countermeasures are. So propaganda, nudging, um, knowing when you're being bullied and how to um, maneuver around that in a civil way. Yeah, and that, that is so important because too many times things de degenerate into shouting matches and no mm -hmm. one gets anywhere. No message is communicated because you're not going to win every discussion. Some people are going to be just too thick-headed and not want to hear it. But if you approach, as you just said, knowing who they are, knowing what types of tactics work with that uh, type of personality that you can recognize, that type of person, uh, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's so very important. You, you use the word activism a whole bunch of times. What is, and I think activism can have a lot of different definitions. A lot of people, when they think activist, they think radical. 
activist who's out there blocking the streets, uh, uh, you know, during a big old protest rally. Activists are in the, for whatever reason, the climate activists are throwing paint and mashed potatoes and whatever at priceless works of art and then gluing their Mm -hmm. hands to the walls. There's all kinds of things, you know, all these are, these are activists. So activism doesn't always have a positive connotation and everybody has a different definition of it. How do you define it? Right. Well, and I never really wanted to consider myself an activist. It wasn't something I was setting out to be. Um, But I guess now that I've had a chance to look at what's happening in our country and um, direction things are going, I realize that we all need to be activists and that we're being active in our communities. We are taking an active role and not just turning over our power and our rights to um, whether they're elected officials or experts or, or what have you, we, we are essentially abdicating all of our responsibility. And so in my mind, an activist means taking that back and um, doing what you can in where you're at in your community to make an impact and to say, no, I'm not going to um, you know, just go along with what's happening here. I'm going to do my part to um, stand for my community, stand for my family, stand for our values. So more specific to the training of how to talk to people, recognizing who your audience is, there's a couple of different types of things there too. Like when I think of, you know, being a free speech activist and talking to other people, am I talking to just regular folks like me? Or are we talking about in a professional setting? Or for example, when you get to speak for three minutes or five minutes or whatever at a school board meeting into a microphone, talking to a panel of people that you really want to influence or at a town council meeting or a water department, whatever, you know, where you've got things going on that are important to you and, uh, you know, free speech related or otherwise, this training is good. It's kind of, it kind of crosses over into a lot of things that can really help you be a more active person in your community, whether it be activism officially or not. Right. And um, yeah, I want to highlight the fact that it's about civil training, you being being a civil communicator, not um, a, uh, you know, flying off the handle and, you know, ranting and raving or raging, you know, we we really do want to come across as um, knowledgeable, respectful, um, but also assertive and also um, informed. Um, so that, you know, in our day and age where there's video cameras everywhere, that if, if you're, you know, caught on camera, that you are, you know, delivering a message that is civil and also accurate and powerful. Yeah, you're right. Because, you know, we, we always see videos of people who lose it. You know, and those are the ones that go viral. In fact, we see more of those than we see of the civil people because, you know, that's what everybody wants to watch. It's the old train wreck thing. So, um, right. you know, you don't want to be one of those and bring for lack of a better word, shame or disrepute to your message and your organization mm-hmm. or your cause. And for us, of course, it's the most important cause. It's free speech. It's our First Amendment, for crying out loud. It's the most important part of our, the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. So so um, let's take just, just kind of take us through 2022 a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously, I've been alongside of you and Patrick and everybody mm-hmm. else, so I know most of what you're going to say. But tell people a little bit about what some of the highlights as you see them have been, Kimberly, um, in 2022. Well, I think, first of all, this podcast, um, we launched this in February. So you and Patrick have been delivering a weekly podcast um, faithfully for um, 
gosh, 40 some weeks now or. Yeah, we're getting, we're closing uh, in on a year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that was really one of the top highlights of the year was um, being able to bring our members information on a weekly basis about our First Amendment rights and how they're being impacted um, on, you know, all levels, you know, and, and from all angles, whether it's from big tech or government infringement on our First Amendment rights and or culture or whatever the case might be. And so I think that is um, an important uh, doing is just helping people understand how free speech is being impacted. And then um, the Free Speech Statesman, which we launched in October, was another way that we have to get information I was, out. I was I was waiting for you to say it so I could hold it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, so, no, hold on. Um, yeah, I've got my virtual background problem here, but if I hold it right here. I guess you can kind of see it a little bit there. There you go. But yeah, it's our first newspaper. Go ahead, Kimberly. Yeah. So we just want to be able to break through the um, social media censorship or the email, you know, going into the um, ether of <laughs> who knows where emails tend to go. And um, this is our members too, to actively spread the free speech message. Sometimes, you know, when you try to share a link or a blog or, you know, something like that in, in the digital realm, you know, somebody might say, oh yeah, I'll get back to it. And you know, but then they lose that link and then they don't know where to find it. So this is a tangible, you know, the hard copy way that you can get this out into the community. And so this is um, probably one of the things we're most excited about right now is our um, free speech statesman is, is a way to help people understand what all of the um, facets are about free speech and how it's being impacted right now. Yeah. Um, you know, this podcast and that newspaper are very, very effective ways, you know, because so many times we rely, as you just said, on email and we don't know what's going to happen to them sometimes by accident, sometimes intent. You know, we all we talked, Patrick and I, for you know many episodes about uh, Gmail and Google intentionally right. taking certain emails from individuals they didn't want to reach other individuals like donors and having them go directly to spam instead of to the inbox where they'll, they'll, they'll never be seen. So between shadow banning between that kind of censorship and that kind of, you know, taking of emails. There's so many ways for them to stop our message. If our message is always digital. And right. so the nice thing is to create a recording like this, we control to create the platform that we have the local activist, which is totally proprietary. It belongs to CFFS. It belongs to Patrick Wood. Uh, and now this newspaper too. You can't block that. If somebody is, we're printing these things out by the thousands and we're circulating them, uh, you know, throughout the States and putting them in the hands of volunteers uh, who then share them with other people. It's just a great way to get the message out there without being all of these things are, you know, without being subject to the uh, social media, not social media, uh, Silicon Valley, uh, you know, mm -hmm. warlords that essentially try to uh, decide who can hear and who can say what. Right. So, yeah, so, those are there two of our, our big, um, you know, deliverables this year and um, looking forward to uh, we have the free speech statesman right now in about 25 states and we want to get that into all 50 states. Um, by early next year. So that's one of the things we'll be focusing on um, coming into 2023. And people can do that how, right? Just to, just go to the web store at citizensforfreespeech.org, for right? Right. So um, there's a link to our store. There's also a banner on the um, homepage where you can learn about the Free Speech Statesman and how you can get involved distributing those. And then, of course, the link to order them. And um, we'll get them sent out to you um, as quickly as we can. 
what other goals do you, uh, can, I mean, can you highlight one or two things that 23, you know, were really kind of targeting, you know, that maybe you and Patrick and executive meetings uh, have discussed um, because I know that we're there, there are new things every year that we're trying to add. And obviously we're constantly trying to grow membership. The more right. of us there are, the more powerful our message is when it comes to our advocacy uh, campaigns, when we're trying to influence legislation, whether it be at a local level, a mm -hmm. state level, or even the national level. So what other kind of goals do you uh, do you kind of have laid out for 2023? Right. Well, as I mentioned before, the Citizen Ninja training is something we're really going to focus on this year. And we, we want to get as many people trained as possible. So we're looking at different ways that we can deliver that training. And um, primarily, we'll be doing a, a virtual thing beginning February 15th. So we'll be getting information out to our members about that. So you can um, mark it on your calendar, but it would be a weekly um, virtual training that you can come and join and um, train with other people across the country, um, getting Citizen Ninja training. And um, that first part is eight weeks. It's a basics training. And then if you'd like to join for the second part of that about team building, then we'll be delivering that um, right after the first uh, series of trainings. So essentially, you know, if you're working on any sort of project in your community, um, you know, whether it's fighting, you know, some sort of policy or, you know, trying to uncover, you know, malfeasance of, you know, being spent or whatever, team building training is a, is a great way to learn about how to um, build effective teams. So that will be our first priority is just citizen ninja training in general. Of course, we have it still available on demand on local activists, which is our um, social networking platform that connects um, activists across the country. Um, and then we're looking at doing um, in-person training in states that are willing to help put together trainings for group leaders, for example, so that they can um, sample the training and then help promote it to their membership so that they can make their organizations even more effective. So that's uh, number one. And then secondly, um, those people who really care about free speech and they want to make free speech their issue that they're focused on primarily, um, we're developing a, a leadership program of sorts that is gonna help um, train ambassadors for citizens for free speech in every state. And so we'll be launching that as well, um, creating state networks and um, helping our members become free speech activists in their state. Yeah, I love that. And, uh, you know, something that I know we've kicked around in a couple of our meetings, and I don't know that there's anything firm. In fact, I know there's nothing firm on it right now, but a goal. It's aspirational is to have a national convention, to, to find a time and find a location to get people who believe in free speech from all around the country to try to descend and really kind of come together and really grow and blow this thing up. So then take and then take back everything they learn to their own home states, their own home community. So that's something that is just behind the scenes. I want people to know mm -hmm. is in the works. We're really going to try to bring people together from all of their various locations. So, uh, Kimberly, in the in the time we've got left, you got about six or seven minutes left. There's a mm -hmm. story I wanted to talk about. Actually, I want to listen about because you're the one who found it. You know, we're always mm -hmm. amazed at the number of uh, you know attacks that we find on our free speech from things like social media companies, from things like the government working through oftentimes social media companies direct infringements upon our First Amendment protections. But I didn't know that football. Uh, could do that in the same way. I didn't know an entire professional sports league had the ability to censor and silence people, but apparently they do, at least in one particular state. You're familiar with it because you're in it. What can you tell us? 
Yeah, I came across this story earlier this week. Um, uh, we have a really great news resource here in Arizona called Arizona Free News. Um, and it's an independent journalist outlet. And so I look forward to receiving their updates every week and, and the news stories. And this one was about uh, the Super Bowl. Well, first of all, it's the city of Phoenix who has implemented kind of a, a moratorium on people being able to put temporary signage out on their properties within this zone um, in the downtown Phoenix area. Now, first of all, the, the Super Bowl will be played in Glendale, which is probably 15 to 20 miles outside the downtown Phoenix area. But downtown Phoenix is used for a lot of the peripheral events um, pertaining to the Super Bowl. And so they've designated this zone in downtown Phoenix, kind of this, this clean zone, I think they, they called it, where you're not able to just put up any kind of signs um, on your property. And this uh, gentleman who had a, a, has a property down in that area wanted to just put up a sign that says he's leasing his property for the Super Bowl. And he was denied that, um, that right to do it because all the temporary signage in the area right now needs to be also approved by the NFL. <laughs> the city who will approve or deny your request, but now the NFL has to um, approve or it gets to approve whether or not you can put signage on your own property. So if the city actually is okay with it and the NFL well, yeah, says, I don't know no, we don't like that one way or another, but yeah, it's, it's the NFL that gets, and, and I don't know what the deal is really specifically with a for lease sign because it's, it's not political. It's not, you know, it's just like, I've, I've got a place if you want to stay during Super Bowl, you know, I'm going to rent it out. Is it is it just a fear of political messages or maybe profane messages? Because I can understand if you're going to have a lot of events in a city uh, that's bringing, you know, I, how much money is usually brought by a Super Bowl in terms of economic development? I mean, it's a lot of money. I, I, I think yeah. I remember in the uh, when the Major League Baseball game was taken from Atlanta, Georgia, because of complaints from some on the left of voter suppression, they took the All-Star game away from uh, Atlanta and put it in Denver, Colorado. And I believe that Atlanta lost somewhere in the neighborhood of $90 million of economic development because of that, which is atrocious. Uh, and so I can understand, you know, they're going to bring a ton of money to the area. And if they've got a few rules about, you know, that I can I can get it particularly if we're talking about things that are profane and maybe they just don't want to be in the business of, okay, that's profane. That's, that's a little bit sketchy, but not all the way profane. So this one's good. This one's not, they don't want to pick winners and losers. So they want to ban them all. Is that essentially what's happening? Well, you know, I think like every law, right. There's probably a, um, a good reason for it, but just because there might be a good reason for it doesn't mean you should do it. And it doesn't mean that, all of our free speech rights should be um, totally put on the back burner. You yeah, know, it doesn't mean it's constitutional. Doesn't mean it's constitutional, and um, it 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 still seems like it picks winners and losers because you know here's somebody who's got a property might want to capitalize on the Super Bowl being down there, and now he's not able to advertise his space um, because not the city, but a, a another entity, a private entity, is telling him he can't. Um, and, and the city has given them the, the ability to do that, you know, that, you know, they've granted that, um, they've transferred that uh, power over to a, um, 
you know, private business entity telling yeah. somebody in that area that they can't advertise. So it still picks those winners and losers. Um, and, you know, I guess bottom line is, is, you know, whether, you know, you think you agree or not, um, these are, these are rights that we have to be aware of and how they're being infringed upon. And, and this gentleman took the opportunity to stand for his rights and he's working with the Goldwater Institute to fight back against the city. Um, as of right now, we don't know what, what the city's response is going to be to that, but um, I, I do applaud the gentleman for standing up for his rights, his free speech rights. Well, this is, this is why we call this program stand and deliver. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. we, we named it that Patrick and I kind of, and I, I think we all kind of threw our, our, our little two cents into it before we came. Patrick and I just host, host it most of the time, but um, it's about standing and delivering. That's the song written by Eric Clapton and uh, uh, um, oh, for God's sakes, uh, I can't remember as the, the, uh, the co-writer for some reason, but at any rate, my apologies, uh, it but it's Van, it's Van Morrison. That's right. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, but they, they put that together for a reason. Uh, you know, all they wanted to do, this is of course, during COVID, this was a, an anti-lockdown message, essentially saying, we just want to stand and deliver music to people. We don't want to be caught up in, in, in being told we can't be there. We don't want to be called, told we have to take shots. We have to stay away, blah, blah, blah. And so Patrick and I, and you have just kind of taken that as the, the mantra of anybody who stands up for their first amendment protection or first amendment uh, rights or somebody else's that's called standing and delivering. So I love that he's standing up. Mm -hmm. Like you said, there may be a good reason. There may be a good reason they have those, th that rule. Uh, and maybe it's just, maybe it's a bad reason. Maybe the, maybe the reason is straight up money because advertisers spend a ton of money to be associated with the Super Bowl. And if they've got surrounding properties that are private properties and people putting up signs and billboards, advertising things that didn't pay the Super Bowl any money, uh, you know, the NFL, any money. That's why they're saying, nope, we're not going to put anything up there. So they may have a legitimate reason. They may have a greedy reason, but the fact is it's personal private property. And this guy has a right to put up a sign or put up a message if he wants. So he's standing and delivering. And if he wins, it won't be just for himself. It'll be for other people as well. And that's what yeah. this is all about. Yeah. Well, in, in the time frame, I should have mentioned this too, that it went into effect November 1st and it, it extends through February 19th. And so I, I think that is um, a little suspicious in and of itself that, you know, this three month time frame where yeah. you can't communicate. Um, That's crazy. Things. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's, if it's the week, yeah, if it's part of the week long events of the Super Bowl, again, yeah. I still wouldn't approve it. I still wouldn't authorize it. I still wouldn't say it's okay to take away somebody's free speech rights, but I might understand why they want to do it then, but why it's over a three month period. Right. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, but the, you know what? That's why I'm glad he's standing and delivering. I hope we're going to get updates on this as far as, you know, the mm -hmm. challenge, uh, the legal challenge. And, uh, and hopefully we'll be reporting on another victory. Occasionally on stand and deliver, we do get to report not only the attacks on free speech, but the wins from those yeah. who fight, fight for it and fight for our, our first amendment rights. So, well, Kimberly, this was a treat. I'm so glad to get yeah. you out there and have people hear another voice, another perspective on what CFFS is all about. And as the deputy director, you do such a phenomenal job. We always like to close by reminding everybody how they can join, which of course is online at citizensforfreespeech.org. And I always like to close with this as well, reminding everybody that you can send a text and make this very easy. Let's hope this works with the virtual flag background here, not blurring it out. There it is. 
Text the letters CFFS to 313131. You'll instantly get a bounce back link sent right to your phone. Click it. It'll take you right to a place where you can uh, sign up and become a member of Citizens for Free Speech. And if you are so inclined, maybe even offer a donation so that you can keep this very important member-supported organization running and protecting all of our rights. So, Kimberly, uh, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Great stuff. Great information about CFFS. And uh, I hope we'll have maybe the three of us will have to do a conversation when Patrick with Patrick next time around. But this was a great yeah. uh, this is a great event event. Thanks so much. Well, thank you for all you do, too, Bob. Really appreciate it. And to everybody who may be listening to this before Christmas, a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah. I hope you celebrate and have a, a great uh, uh, time in the holiday season. And we'll talk to you next time on Citizens for Free Speech podcast, Stand and Deliver. There it is. Bye, everybody. <laughs>